Welcome to KXAN News Today, your Wednesday morning headlines. In Northern California, mudslides causing extensive damage in Sequoia National Park. The campgrounds and trails are covered with thick mud and most of the campsites are still closed today. Problems outlined in a recent Austin Water Audit are going to be looked over today. The Austin Audit and Finance Committee meeting for the first time since the city released the report a week ago. The audit included 53 recommendations for Austin Water to improve. Houston Astros Caravan heading to Austin today. The caravan will make a stop at the Capitol for a tour at 9.30 this morning. The team will spend most of the day there and then head to central Houston. The Austin leg of the tour today will not be open to the public. A very good morning to you, everyone, and welcome to KXAN News Today. I'm Sally Hernandez. And I'm Tom Miller, and we're beginning with a wet start to the day. Kristen, it's not going to stay this way, uh, but we are starting. Yeah, absolutely. Some mitt, some pockets of light rain as we begin our Wednesday, but Mother Nature's going to flip the script on us about halfway through today, and then we dry out and start talking fire danger. So let me show you what's going on this morning. A again, a lot of what we see coming out of the sky today radar is going to have a hard time seeing because it's so close to the ground and it's so light but you'll notice even a little bit is starting to pick up right now a lot of cloud cover out there it's going to be a gray start to the day we can see that on our Lorenz and Lorenz 360 camera looking a little blurry right that's some of that low cloud cover but our temperatures are much mild because we got that cloud blanket last night so temperatures walking out the door and then the 60s and 70s these are well above our afternoon average highs that we see this time of year that being said, I would still recommend a jacket. I think especially raincoat, something to keep the uh, water off you this morning. Visibility is going to be on the lower side today with those low clouds and fog. We do have visibility down to about five miles in Travis County, a little denser as you may work your way towards the west, but it's not necessarily dense fog, just a little thicker, closer to the ground. So we know what to do. Slow the speeds, use the uh, low beams, make sure your wipers are on. Temperatures are going to go from the 60s to the upper 70s today, but our rain chances turn off quickly. I mean, by the time we hit 11 a.m. lunchtime, this thing is over. So coming up in your first morning forecast, I'm going to walk you through what to expect when it comes to today's rain chance. Then we'll get into the fire danger that's going to plague us this afternoon and evening and the cool down behind the cold front coming in this morning, bringing us some cooler afternoons and some much colder nights than what we have out there this morning. We'll take a look at those changes here. Just about 10 to 15 minutes, Tom. Thank you, Kristen. Eans ISD is soon going to make a decision on its largest ever bond package. It's a proposed $130 million bond that would go toward facilities, new technology, and upgrades to athletic spaces. It will ultimately decide whether voters need to approve this in May. Exactly. KXN's and Bill Ramadna breaks down what the district says it needs. More than 8,000 students walk the halls daily at nine schools across Eanes ISD. And all the campuses are important. They all have, have their own specific unique needs. And over time, those schools need upgrades, says Jeremy Trimble, who's in charge of operations and planning in the district. You know, the core of Westlake High School is still there from um, the late 1960s. The Eanes ISD Citizens Bond Advisory Committee just submitted their final recommendation to the board. 
to address those needs. It's a $130 million package, which would address facility upgrades, new technology, and address athletic upgrades as well. It, it is the, the largest bond that, that we've had. About $65 million would go towards facilities alone. That's things like adding new parking lots and upgrading classrooms, also making sure HVAC systems are in good shape. Luckily, we're not building um, brand new facilities and having to deal with some of um, those escalated costs that, uh, that other districts are having to deal with right now. Trimble says the school tax rate will not be impacted if passed. Obviously, with values of homes going up, um, there may be an increase in value, which may lead to an increase in taxes, but the school district tax rate would not increase. Almost every school would receive some of the upgrades. None of them really stand out. They all need different things. Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. If approved, the bond vote would be held in May. The plan is to put three propositions on the ballot, A, B, and C. A is the main general maintenance prop. B would go towards stadium upgrades. And C would go to technology and devices. There could be some changes. The board's going to finalize numbers at the next two meetings. For some context here, the number of school bonds passed by voters has dropped in recent elections. In the past, the percentage of bonds passed statewide has been about 70 to 80%. Last year, though, that dropped all the way down to closer to 50%. The Texas Association of School Boards put, points out that this corresponds with changes to the state law. Bond measures are now required to, stay, to say this is a property tax increase in the ballot language. That's even if the district can pay back the bond without raising the tax rate. Last November, Dripping Springs ISD voters said no to three different bonds they would have totaled more than $480 million. And Pflugerville ISD said no to a proposition to pay for stadium improvements. Well, Pflugerville ISD sticking with that. ISD parents there hope the school board is not going to close their children's school. Parents and supporters showed up last night at the school board meeting. They're trying to change the mind about potential campus closures. You will hear from us plans, and we're here to listen and get feedback. It was backed room at the community meeting. School district leaders said a declining enrollment trends and a shift in growth within the city are some of the reasons behind the idea to possibly close several elementary school campuses. There are 10 proposals for consideration with multiple different campuses proposed for closure. Another potential change would affect high school students. It includes shifting students to different campuses in order to avoid building another high school. The superintendent said it's the growth west of SH-130 that is declining, while campuses to the east of the highway are growing significantly. One parent we spoke with at the meeting says shifting students around to different schools would not benefit the students. A lot of the plans are pushing our enrollment problem onto the areas that are historically underserved and it doesn't seem like an equitable process at all. Equity, we know that there are problems, but um, we can't make decisions that put the burden on um, underserved communities, underserved campuses. Charter schools are also paying a role, playing a role in declining in enrollment. School leaders said the district loses 500 students every year to charter schools. A final vote is expected before the spring. We have some signs to watch out for if your little one is still not recovering quickly after COVID. And new free crisis care for veterans. 
Good morning. It is 4:40 on this Wednesday, and a live look from our tower camera in the Westlake area, looking back at some of the hills, a beautiful part of our city. Today, the state is releasing its weekly COVID report, and we're going to get a better idea of how COVID is trending in Texas. Last week, Austin Public Health said the latest variant, XBB 1.5, is already here in the Travis County area. Across the country, some sick children with COVID-19, they're suffering from long-haul symptoms. Some of these cases have been more severe. I was able to feel my legs, but I couldn't move them. That's Eliana Rosario, one of millions of children across the country who has symptoms long after the initial infection. In her case, she suffered from temporary paralysis. Most of the kids describe it as, as if somebody put sand or concrete in their legs. Health experts say the vast majority of children do recover, but in many cases, kids can have symptoms for months. Some signs to watch for, difficulty thinking or concentrating, sometimes referred to as brain fog, headache, sleep problems, muscle aches, loss of smell or taste, circulation problems. There's no specific treatment for long haul COVID symptoms. Well, more people are willing to get a COVID vaccine once they find out how many people in their community gets one. This is according to a worldwide survey that the University of Texas helped with. The studies also found more people get the vaccine when public health campaign focuses on the percentage of people getting the shots rather than the dangers of not getting one. UT Austin joining the list of schools banning TikTok on campus. What students are making of that decision? Why Americans could soon see catastrophic impacts when it comes to the economy if lawmakers don't do something soon. Good morning all. An emotional return for one Texas basketball player. Highlights from a sold out crowd in Ames, Iowa. Good morning and welcome back everyone. It is Wednesday, January the 18th. We're going to talk to Kristen for the latest look at your forecast coming up in just a bit. But first, all U.S. military veterans in suicidal crisis are eligible for free care at any VA or private facility. And unlike for most other medical benefits, veterans do not have to be enrolled in the VA system to be eligible for care. So that means... More than 18 million vets in the U.S. could be eligible. That means more than 18 million again. Now, the new policy announced yesterday includes up to 30 days of inpatient or crisis residual care and up to 90 days of follow-up on outpatient care. And with this new benefit, there's no copay and there are no fees if the veterans receive care at a private facility rather than at a VA facility one, the government will cover the cost too. The VA will also reimburse veterans for ambulance rides to hospitals. We do expect to learn more today about this policy on Friday. Now students at the University of Texas will have to use their cell service to use TikTok on campus to ban use of the app on universities campuses and issue devices and networks. Big change here. It follows similar bans taken by the federal government and other states. UT students can still access TikTok if they want. Just can't be on a university issued smartphone or computer or university owned network, including UT Wi-Fi. Some students say it's going to cost them. I kind of feel bad for the students who live on campus because it's like a really big form of social media. 
and it's gonna be really like a lot harder for them to go on it now. Obviously you can use it off data, but using your data is a lot of money and as for a college student, that's not kind of affordable. Concern comes from close ties between TikTok's parent company and the Chinese government who actually has access to your data. TikTok put out a statement saying in part, it is disappointed so many states are, quote, jumping on the political bandwagon to enact policies that will do nothing to advance cybersecurity in their states. Let's go up to Georgetown, where a man there was recently introduced into the Tejano Roots Hall of Fame. Roots standing for remembering our own Tejano stars. Yeah, the honor pays tribute to musicians to keep the long legacy of the genre alive. KXN's Mercedes Hernandez has the origins of his music journey and what the award means to him. Guitarist Johnny Jolial now lives in Georgetown, but for decades, the road was his home. Oh, Chicago, and after that, we went to Arizona and Phoenix, and then from Phoenix we'd come to Texas. His musical journey started when he was just 15 years old in Houston, sweeping his mom's kitchen floor, broom in hand. The music was playing, and she saw me, and I was using it like a guitar. My birthday is in December, and she bought me my first electric guitar, a Fender. Leal's mother started a love for music that just a few weeks ago earned him a spot in the Tejano Roots Hall of Fame. It's got my name written on there. Tomas Medina with the Tejano Music Alliance of Texas says it's important to remember veterans of the genre like Leal. It's our culture, and we need to preserve it for future generations. They know the history of where they came from. Yeah, it is important to keep it uh, going. While the music has slowed over the years, it's never stopped for Leal, and he says it probably never will. There you go. In Georgetown, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. <laughs> the Tejano Roots Hall of Fame is based in Alice in South Texas. In May of 2001, then-Governor Rick Perry designated the city as the official birthplace of the Tejano music tradition. So cool and so well-deserved that he's able to get into, you know, into that Very years. exclusive. Yeah. yeah, years later. And who knew right up in Georgetown? <laughs> you know, I love that. Let me show you what's going on with your forecast. We've got a lot to talk about, friends, because Mother Nature is going to pull a fast one on us, giving us some rain in the morning and then totally clearing it out to fire danger in the afternoon. We're going to get both scenarios today. So let's walk you through it. This morning, I've got those radars on. They're not showing a whole lot in the way of meaningful rain, but it'll come. I think there's a good chance we'll see some pockets of mist, light rain, low clouds, fog this morning. It's a great start. We've got the moisture in place. We're waiting on the cold front here. You can see those showers and storms triggering to our north and west. Visibility is down this morning. Not dense enough to trigger any alerts, but uh, it is going to be something we'll watch closely. You'll find some areas where that fog is going to hug the ground pretty good. So make sure you're factoring in a few extra minutes for your morning drive. Your temperatures, nothing to worry about. 60s and 70s out there. 68 in Austin. Low 70s out towards Flatonia, LaGrange, and Giddings. We've got upper 50s to low 60s out west. Temperatures 15 to 25 degrees warmer than what we had yesterday. But we aren't going to see the same kind of recovery. We'll likely get stuck in those 70s today, which really isn't that bad, but different than the record-breaking 80 two we had yesterday and the rain chances are only for this morning. Let me show you that because putting this into motion. Here's what our future radar is shown by 6 7 a.m. Good amount of the scattered light rain, but the cold front brings in drier air behind it. So we're already clearing skies in the hill country by 10 a.m. And then later
later, 11, noontime, 1 p.m., there's nothing out there but sunshine. The problem is gusty west-northwest winds are bringing in that, that dry air. So it's coming in quick, meaning our rainfall totals very limited. A few hundredths of an inch, that's about it. Once the rain clears, this red flag warning kicks in noontime, continues until 8 p.m. It's been a while since we've seen pink on this map. Basically tells us we have critical fire danger today. No open flame activities. Seven-day forecast, 70s today with a 40% chance of morning rain. Windy conditions in the afternoon. Dry and cooler tomorrow in the 60s. Another chance for some light rain on Saturday. That rain chance at 50%, keeping our temperatures a little cooler in the low 60s. And then it's some more wind with a slight warming trend as we get into the start of next Next week. This is KXAN Sports brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning, all. Let's take things back. Two years ago, Iowa State men's basketball won just two games. Not very good. A year ago, they made it to the Sweet 16. That's good for an incredible turnaround. They were helped in a major way by this guy, now Texas Longhorn Tyrese Hunter, who had a lot of booze a night ago. Back in Ames, a sold-out whiteout at Iowa State. Hunter locked in early three ball. Silences the plentiful haters in this one. Texas started strong, but the Cyclones howled their way back in it. Put back here before the half gives them a one-point lead after Texas was up double digits in half number one. Just under 12 to go off the inbounds. Marcus Carr, steal and score. Why are we showing this to you? It was their last field goal for more than 10 minutes of game action. Meanwhile, Iowa State did some field goals like this near dagger from the maze. Yes, M-A-I-Z-E like corn native Caleb Grill. Very Iowa of them. And this ended the field goal drought for Texas. Marcus Carr hitting the three, cutting it to nine, but not enough. Second Big 12 loss for the Longhorns in a thriller. Give them a lot of credit. You know, they played uh, and made plays down the stretch uh, that they needed to make. They made shots. They made, they made free throws. They got to the foul line and, and uh, converted those. Uh, TJ had his team ready to play today. Um, again, I thought we had a great effort. Likewise, um, just a highly competitive game in the Big 12. Elsewhere in that highly competitive Big 12, Rodney Terry was mentioning, Kansas State won an overtime thriller at home against Kansas. They are now tied for first in the conference. We'll send it back to you. Noah, thank you. The family of a loved one killed in June of 2021's mass shooting in downtown Austin wants to make sure that 6th Street is safe for you and others. Members say that they are unable to move on in their grief process until they see something has changed. The family traveled from Michigan to Austin yesterday. It was for one of the last court appearances for the accused killer, 20-year-old DeAndre White. It's the last hearing before his trial, which is set to end uh, in February. The family tells KXAN's Brianna Hollis hopes the trial will bring closure and safety changes. June 2021 has changed this family forever. It's when police say a gunman killed 25-year-old Doug Cantor and injured 13 others around 1.30 in the morning on 6th Street. The things I miss about Doug are the simple things. Doug used to call me and just chat for an hour. She mentioned she's withdrawn from her friends. I'm the same way. Wearing badges with Cantor's face on their chests, they flew to Austin from across the country to be here for a hearing. It brings it all to the surface again. And it's like the first day all over again. What keeps bringing us all back is that we're all hoping that, you know, the outcome of this trial will give us some kind of a boost to move to the next phase of our grief. Former downtown council member Kathy Tovo launched the Safer 6th Street initiative following the mass shooting. It's now up to newly elected Rebzo Kadri, 
to keep that mission going. I think it's about looking into everything that we can to make sure that folks feel safe. Sixth Street continues to be a hot spot for downtown violence. Police are putting up additional halo cameras as part of the initiative, but several measures are still in progress. Meeting scheduled with folks, uh, not only related to that, but also uh, in terms of folks who, who live in, in the area, you know, a lot of businesses have reached out to us. The Cantor family wants to see a bolstered police force and the city to consider opening 6th Street up to car traffic so it doesn't get as crowded. Anyone who fires a gun in there, they can't miss a human body because they're so densely packed. Even if they know it can't bring their dug back. Children, brothers, husbands, wives, they're dying. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. Just this weekend, Austin's police chief described another chaotic scene on 6th Street. Said 911 calls came in Sunday night about someone firing gunshots and people running. A few minutes later, he said officers saw a man who matched the description of the shooter with a gun. He says the officers fired when he started to run, that man later dying at the hospital. The chief stressing during all of this, there were people everywhere. Well, the Justice Department is not going to seek the death penalty against the man accused in the 2019 mass shooting at an El Paso Walmart. Our colleagues over at Border Report looked into a new filing for U.S. District Court, and prosecutors filed notice to Patrick Crucius's attorney of the decision, but did not explain it. The defendant faces multiple federal and state charges. 23 people died and nearly two dozen were injured. The state has not said if it will seek the death penalty. We told El Paso District Attorney resigned amid criticism over how she was handling the case. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.